that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It is the Thursday edition. I am Nathan Baird. He is Stephen Means. We are the Cleveland.com Ohio State football coverage crew, along with Doug Lamarys, who's taking the day off. We are talking football. We are talking receivers. Yesterday, um, well, I should say Tuesday, we had a Zoom session with wide receivers coach Brian Hartline and several of his players from his room, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jameson Williams, Damaro McCall, who's now officially in the wide receiver room for, for 2020, has been for a few months. Steven, I guess just what was the most interesting thing you heard yesterday out of that Zoom call? Yeah, uh, a couple of things. One, obviously, this is the first time we got an opportunity to talk to Chris Olave about the Fiesta Bowl and basically how the last nine months have been for him. And it took, he said it, he said it took him a while to get over that. And he really still hasn't completely gotten over. It. He now uses his motivation and whatnot, but also the fact that he was just blatantly asked, would you, did you ever even consider sitting out this season? And it never even crossed his mind, both him and Brian Hartline confirmed that it was a guarantee basically that he was going to be playing in 2020, no matter what. So I think that's probably the most important thing of the day. I thought that might have been maybe the most interesting thing that, that Chris Olave, because we had all speculated and that's what we do and that's what fans do, but we don't always base that speculation off of, you know, uh, primary sources because we, uh, you know, the way college athletics is structured, we don't get access to the players very much. And uh, Ohio State has been giving them to us since the start of the season. But it's like I said, it's the first time anybody's talked to Chris Olave since January. So as far as like getting a read on his mindset, that can sometimes be tough. I, I thought that was interesting. And I, we had this discussion on the pod, right, that um, there were some of us who thought, oh, he, he'll definitely go if, if, if this is up in the air. I mean, he's being projected as a first-round pick. Like, why, why wouldn't he be one of the opt-outs? And I was the one kind of saying – I, but I wasn't saying it for the same reason Chris Olave said that he was going to stay. I mean, I was saying it more like, I don't know if he's guaranteed a first-round spot. He might need to come back and really show it another year, really establish himself as one of the top receivers in the country, all that stuff. And, but Chris Olave said, I mean, basically came around and said, like, I wasn't going out with that being my last play. Like, it was, it left that bad of a taste in his mouth. And we hadn't really, I, again, because we hadn't been able to talk to him, we had sort of speculated maybe that this was going to be a, a, a storyline for this year, that, that Chris Olave's quote unquote redemption. And again, it, it sometimes in some ways feels a little bit overblown that like one little, um, one whatever synapse firing in your brain for one second that leads to one decision that leads to one play in one game um, becomes like such a, a thing that kind of follows him around. But he said it was following him around. It isn't just like one of these media storylines that gets brought up. I mean, he, he, he talked, like you said, it was, it's the, it, it had been really weighing on him. he still says he's not really over the way that that play unfolded for people who, are are new to the Ohio State fandom and weren't watching the game last year I suppose he's talking about you know breaking off the route on the last offensive play for Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl where Justin Fields threw the interception in the back of the end zone um I don't know I I it confirmed I think a lot of things that people thought about where this sets up for Chris Olave it would have been interesting if he had come in and said like you know what a week after it was after the play I was like Mm -hmm. 
it's, it's behind me and I'm moving on to the next thing. And, and it, I haven't even thought about it again until somebody brings it up, but no, he's saying like, it's still something on his mind. Even to this day, even if we hadn't brought it up yesterday, even if he hadn't had a media session, I think that play would have been in his mind yesterday. Yeah. It's, it's just interesting with Chris Olave's kind of storyline here as an Ohio State player, both seasons have ended kind of loudly, but on two different ends of the spectrum in 2018, his freshman year ends with him having two touchdowns in the Michigan game and him basically introducing himself on the national stage. And so now it's, okay, he's going to well, break out as a sophomore. And then as a sophomore, he was what, the second leading leader on the team in receptions with 840 yards and 12 touchdowns as well. And really quality season. And it's really ironic where the play that things broke off at is a, was basically he thought of a scramble drill, which was something he, they had to work to get used to the entire season because it's right when you didn't have a quarterback that you'd had to go on a scramble drill with that much. So it's interesting. Second year with him and Justin Fields, this is clearly going to be his number one target every single game. When you've got that in the back of your mind, it'd be interesting to see how Chris Olave's final, what we would assume would be his final season would go. And, you know, we're, t- we're hearing from one source. We're hearing just just Chris Olave's side of things. And uh, But I'm going to take him at what he says at, at face value. And he said that he and Justin Fields had, like, one conversation about this. Like, it came up between them. It might have – who knows? could have been that night. It could have been on the plane back from Arizona or whatever. And he said that they haven't talked about it again. So, I think that's important, too, that this isn't, like, some kind of a, a, a riff that was going to grow about, like, who, who screwed this play up. And those guys aren't really like that anyway. Um, but I do think it's interesting that it is kind of – remains so present in Chris Olave's mind and it makes me it's worth asking the question like at what point is that a good motivator for a player for an athlete to still be kind of stoked by that and to have that to kind of drive you have that you know no matter what you do kind of like what J.K. Dobbins was doing last year where like no matter how many yards he ran for in a game it was always like well but I'm not you know I can't be satisfied with that I wonder if that's going to be kind of the Chris Olave thing a little bit this year um, but then also at what point is it a hindrance? At what point is it a thing where you do have to kind of put it behind you? You do have to have a short memory. We talk about that so many times in athletics, in sports, with, with different kinds of – whether it's uh, pitchers, whether it's cornerbacks. Like you've got to have a short memory because you, you've got another one coming right at you. Uh, I, so I wonder how much that applies to Chris Olave as well. It may just be a matter of getting back on a field, having one good game, and then, and then you get to kind of just completely turn your, your – your focus or, or, or really put that behind you in a new way. And not overthinking in the opposite direction, you know, where last time you overthought because you thought it was scramble drill. And no, this time you might overthink because you don't think it's scramble drill. And you don't want to break off the route so badly. So it's a combination of, you know, of both things. Let's talk about the other guy on the outside or, or who else could be on the outside. we got to talk to Jamison Williams yesterday. And he's, I think one of the more interesting guys of this off season because, uh, we talk about Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson a lot of times, but they were really more, obviously Chris Olave is more established with this team. Garrett Wilson by the end of last season was essentially a veteran almost like not, not in, not in tenure, but in just the way he was used, the way they counted on him. I think his, his role had grown to that point, uh, a really trusted player in the offense, but Jameson Williams was still kind of on the fringe. I mean, he didn't have those rotation opportunities with the first string last year, that, that six man rotation at the user, I guess it was more like five for most of last year. I think he's a player that people are are interested in whether he can have the breakout. What did you get from just listening to him yesterday? Because I, I definitely feel like he understands that that potential might be there, but it was, I thought it was also interesting that he and Brian Hartline were talking a lot about sort of off the field things that it wasn't necessarily just about 
his speed. Everyone talks about his speed, his, his potential breakaway speed. And they were talking more about, you know, the complete player, the complete athlete, the complete student, all those sorts of things, and how those things might correlate that maybe, you know, uh, this is a big year for James Williams to maybe kind of prove some maturity, I think, um, within the team. Yeah, I mean, these are kids, and so everybody comes in with a different level of maturity. So off the field, whatever that means, in the classroom, whatever that means, and improving whatever aspect that is. But then on the field, it was, I think it was more about, we know you're fast, but I think Brian Hartline said, you have to go about it as if, what if you weren't fast? Then how would you attack things? And if you can you know, have those skills and have that type of footwork and have that route running ability, and you also have the speed, if your speed is just a bonus, it makes you a scary receiver. And that, that was kind of Brian Hartline's point. And I think when Jamison Williams first got here, that probably wasn't the case. He was probably a guy in high school who was just faster than everybody. So it's get him the ball and have at it, which is, I mean, yeah, when you're a top 100 guy, you know, a borderline five, five-star five recruit, that's probably the case. You're probably going to be able to get away with that at the high school level, but there is a growth period that has to happen. Garrett Wilson came from Lake Travis. There's been plenty of NFL talent that's come out of Lake Travis. So there's probably some coaching that he had in high school that Jamison Williams didn't have. So his learning curve probably wasn't as, as steep. For Jamison Williams, he needed that year of development, whether it was off the field or on the field. And now as a sophomore, he's ready to, he's ready to perform and contribute to the team. And you know where else that kind of just baseline skill can sometimes stand out is against a second string, even at the Big Ten yeah. level. So when you're coming in late in game, sometimes that stuff can really flash. It doesn't necessarily mean you're ready for prime time. And I, I thought last year it was interesting because – he comes in with a, I, I think, a skill set, a, a kind of, a, you know, just his, his physical baseline, again, that was more athletic in some ways, more dynamic in some ways, or at least just talking about pure speed, than some of the seniors that they had last year that were in, in the rotation. But now he's got this group of freshmen coming in behind him, and I think that also is is worth mentioning that you were this – prospect last year but now we just brought in a whole other batch of prospects and I think that's Brian Hartline talked about that too that right right now the whole point is that if just to just to get a starting position at Ohio State right now or just to get a rotation position in the Ohio State wide receiver room right now means you've proved something and how that is making that whole room better I know that we talk a lot about you know it's such coach speak the iron sharpens iron thing but right now it's just there is just so much talent in that wide receiver room that if you're one of those top six or top five depending on what they how much they rotate the slot again this year I, I think it does sort of prove something you you have to have you have to have made yourself better in order to even get one of those spots because it's it's so much young talent right now yes yeah, so Ohio State's been putting out these videos every day after practice um, they put out a wide receiver one a couple of days ago and yeah, there's a lot of talent in that room, even among those true freshmen who were heavily featured in a lot of those videos. Um, Julian Fleming's number four, G. Scott's number 13. Those guys especially, I mean, they're making one-hand catches and doing some things that you usually don't see from true freshmen. So, yeah, I mean, we talked about it all, all offseason. The, the, the talent, the step-up in talent that's going to be in this Ohio State wide receiver room is 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 immaculate. It's just now – it's a lack of experience. Now – Last year, you had a lot of experience, but not necessarily a high ceiling for talent. Now it's the opposite. So then I guess the other question is, though, you know, Brian Hartline and James Williams are both kind of talking about the steps he still needs to take this season. You know, they, they've taken the black stripes off of three, I think, of the freshman receivers yeah. so far. Um, but that tends to – that's not a surprising rate, I don't think, at this stage of their careers. Um, so is that group ready? I mean, do, it's hard for us to say because we haven't seen them yet – on a field we, we see these clips, but you know that they put out the highlights. They don't put out yeah. the drops. They don't put out the bad routes. They don't put out 
um, fumbles and, and things like that. So we're only getting truly the highlights of that group and, and any group that we see in those clips. You know, I still think that's still something to me that has I have to see with my eyes. It still has to be proven to me. We talk a lot about skill. We talk a lot about being, you know, how, what these guys could be someday. I think that's very different still than what they can be in 2020. And if Ohio State is still going to count on going too deep at every receiver spot, those guys have to be ready in 2020. And I think that's still a question to be answered. And to that point, yeah, they still even show Justin Fields throwing interceptions in those videos, which is kind of funny at this point. We know he's a starter and one of the best quarterbacks in college football. And because of that, because we really don't know and we're not going to find out until the Nebraska game because they're not going to let us watch the scrimmage this year, uh, Garrett Wilson in the slot and Chris Olave on the outside is that much more important especially in those first two games against Nebraska and Penn State. Garrett Wilson moving to the slot. Um, we, we've known about that since the spring. Garrett Wilson played all over the field in high school, so I don't know how much of a challenge it was for him to you know, go into the slot in his second year here. But one of the things Brian Hartland talked about is versatility. And he kept saying that word. And I didn't get a chance to ask him this question, but he's moving guys all over the place right now, which I think opens the door to what could be the future at Ohio State where – there isn't an X, a Z, and an H anymore. You're, it's three wide receivers on the field, and depending on the matchups, you might see, you know, a Julian Fleming on the left side or the right side. You might see Garrett Wilson in the slot on the outside, on the left side, all over the place just to exploit different matchups. And I think that's part of the versatility that Brian Hartline's looking for going forward, especially with his NFL background as a player and as a coach and Brian, and Brian Day's background as an NFL coach. I think he kept saying the word versatility. And how and he actually kind of mentioned it, Garrett Wilson being a slot receiver, uh, being an outside receiver as a as a freshman, and now moving to the slot, and what possibilities that opens up. I think that's where we're headed with Ohio State. We're gonna put a pin in that. We're gonna come back and talk a little bit more about Garrett Wilson in the slot, but also what that means in the long term. And we're gonna talk about some of those freshmen a little bit more in specifics. We are on Buckeye Talk. Stick with us. Back on Buckeye Talk. So Garrett Wilson, first time we've had a chance to talk to him since the revelation during the spring. I guess it was maybe the first day of spring practice. I can't remember if it was earlier than that. But uh, Ryan Day kind of breaking the news to the world that Garrett Wilson was playing a slot now and uh, obviously excited some people a lot, including some people uh, on this podcast. Uh, Doug famously kind of um, losing his mind over the, the possibility of Garrett Wilson in the slot. And I, I thought one of the more intriguing things I heard yesterday was that, you know, I think Garrett Wilson understands why they put him there. I think they probably explained to him, hey, uh, you know, the word Brian Hartline kept using was dynamic. We want to put someone with your skill set, your potential explosiveness, put you in the slot and see what can happen there. But Garrett Wilson also talking about how much he still has to learn and how different that position is. And I don't know that people really – I think people maybe thought that it was just as easy as you're moving a guy from outside to inside, but you're and maybe you're running different routes – but there's obviously a lot more to it than that when you're playing on the inside. I think there's more intricacies. There's more responsibilities with different responsibilities, I should say, as far as blocking, different kind of routes that you run. Um, just just a lot of, of, of nuances that he has to adjust to. And the offseason didn't help him there. I mean, he didn't get to have the full spring to, to play his new position. His offseason was obviously chopped up as everybody else's was across the country. So that may end up being kind of a wash because uh, – all the, the corners and linebackers out there that he'll get matched up with had the same bad offseason. But I do think it, it's, it, may, it does make you wonder, like, is it going to be a home run from day one, or is this one of those other things that as the season goes on, maybe the ceiling rises on this offense. I think it's going to be pretty good from day one, but the ceiling on this offense may rise all season just because you do have guys like that 
that are still kind of learning on the go as to how, how they fit into this offense in a new way. Yeah, two-way routes, option routes sometimes. But then the threat that he now is that Paris Campbell and K.J. Hill weren't as a downfield, you know, slot fade guy, which, I mean, we saw the Fiesta Bowl, what the type of catches he was making in that game. I think we saw his – part of it is just wanting to get the ball in his hands because, you know, I think Ryan Hartley used the word wiggle. Um, and I think Ryan Day used a similar word back in the spring. But, I mean, we saw what he can do once he gets the ball with his hands when he was a punt returner. You get the ball in his hands. He's able to make explosive plays in that way. I think that's part of it. He might be the best in that room at it right now, especially with Jackson Smith and the Jigba only being a true freshman. And Mookie Cooper, as he mentioned, he spent most of his career as a running back. So he's really getting used to playing this wide receiver position. And I know Brian Hartline said he's further along than maybe he expected him to be because he picks up things pretty quickly. But still, you know, ironically enough, your most experienced slot guy is a guy who didn't play in the slot last year. And so – yeah, it's a new world for Garrett Wilson. I don't think it should be that much of a, a transition outside. There's some new interest from a blocking standpoint, yes. But as a pass catcher, I don't see necessarily the, the, the slow learning curve for a guy who, I mean, he showed us what he could do last season. It's just moving in on the inside, adding maybe he has to think a little bit more because there's some routes he didn't run last year. I think the reason it was intriguing to everyone when they first heard it and the reason it looked, you could tell on Ryan Day's face, it was intriguing to him was just because of the – the skills that Garrett Wilson has, the athleticism, the kind of athlete he is and what he can do on a football field, regardless, I think, of what position you put him in. I do think, though, it's not just coach speak and it's not just him saying the right things when he says, I need to be more like K.J. Hill. And that's not, it's, it's a consistency thing because I think his targets are going to jump this year. I think he's mm-hmm. going to be a bigger role. He even said that. like That's one of the reasons why he's intrigued by going to the slot because you'll have an even bigger share of the offense. But that means his consistency has to go up. And you mentioned the punt returning last year. He wasn't always consistent there and in a reliable way. He had some moments on the field that any freshman will have last year, even as a receiver, that that where he, he, he made some mental mistakes and things like that. Not a huge criticism, I think, on that. Like I said, because I think a lot of freshmen go through that. But I think that's where I, you need to see the jump from him this year is just in terms of you know what his – what, what he is at, at his essence as far as a receiver and how explosive he can be, what kind of an athlete he can be. I think that's the next step is the consistency. And if the consistency isn't there, then I think that's potentially an issue for Ohio State. I don't have any reason to think it won't be, but I think that's the, the next step for him in his career is not so much being more explosive, being more acrobatic. I think those things are just going to come naturally. But it's like, can you be more like K.J. Hill? Just, you know, when Ryan Day talked about K.J. Hill right after the draft and when he was complaining about how he had – gotten you know uh slid all the way to the sixth round it was you know all this guy does is get open and make catches and sometimes um we don't it can't be more complicated than that it can't be that Garrett Wilson has to make an acrobatic catch every time it's got to be just like you ran a short route you caught the ball and got tackled and and we move on Uh, that's going to be part of that job too and that extends to him as a punt returner you know he had some muff punts last year he had some explosive moments he also had some muff punts last year there's also going to be some growth there to where if they're going to be aggressive in trying to return punts now and it's not just simply a fair catch machine and they want a guy back there who can you know, be a threat to score, you got to raise your floor. Your, your ceiling can't be, oh, we might get a touchdown, but your floor is, oh, we might get a turnover. There has to be, you know, continue to have that high ceiling, but raise your floor. And I think that's where Garrett Wilson is in his career right now. It's raising his floor because his ceiling we already know is so high. I wish we'd had more questions with Garrett Wilson yesterday. He was up at the same time as Chris Olave, and people were asking a lot of Chris Olave questions because, again, first time we'd been able to speak to him since Fiesta Bowl. But I, I wish there had been some more Garrett Wilson questions because I had some things I wanted to ask him about, including that, including 
you know, you, you know how explosive you can be here. I assume he's going to be in that role again this year. What have you done to maybe shore yourself up a little bit? Um, he answered those questions last year too. And it's one of those things where like when you're playing at Ohio state and the, the expectations are this high that when you're a freshman and get thrown out there, you get, you're going to have to deal with that scrutiny a little bit. So, um, we'll see how that plays out this year, but I expect it to be something that he works on throughout the season and, and, and tries to, to be a little bit uh, more precise with um, somebody else who we know will probably be involved with special teams is Damari McCall. We got to talk to him yesterday uh, for the first time since the season. And he did not sound to me like a guy. I mean, we had a question on one of our rapid fires earlier this week about what kind of a role do we expect for Demario and it's always a preseason question with Ohio State is what what's what role is this guy going to have? And he did not sound to me yesterday like a guy who thinks he's going to be a big part of the running back situation. They keep talking about this hybrid role for him. I guess I could see them wheeling it out there every once in a while, but it does not sound – he did not talk to me yesterday like a guy who thinks that is his destiny. He talked to me still like essentially what he was last year, a guy who's ready for whatever role they're going to give him, but who's kind of you know, trying to kind of claw and scrape for what that role is. He knows he's probably going to be the kick returner. He has been the kick returner. I would expect him to have that role again this year, unless something strange happens, but he doesn't sound to me like a guy who expects to be a big part of the offense. I don't know what your takeaway was from that. Yeah. I mean, he sounds like a guy who's not really sure what his role is yet, which isn't like a place you want to be at as a fifth year senior who was once a top 50 recruit. Him and Jay, <coughs> excuse me, Jalen Gill is no longer here now. At, he's with Boston College now, but he and Jalen Gill, I think, have some similar has some similarities in how their Ohio State careers have gone. And since that, they're almost guys whose positions don't exist anymore. They got brought in to probably play the H back role, and the H back role is no longer is no longer really a position at Ohio State. It's just three wide receivers, and one's just in the slot anymore. You're not necessarily a hybrid of a running back and a wide receiver anymore. Is what that position used to be back when Curtis Samuel was playing it. Well, Ohio State doesn't have a need for it anymore. And so it has guys like Demario McCall. I know Jalen Gill stayed in the wide receiver room the entire time, but he never carved out a role for himself, even last season, when there was you know, they clearly needed a backup you know, slot, uh, H-back. It was just K.J. Hill out there. Well, Demario McCall has spent his entire career basically running suicides between the wide receiver room and the running back room. And even last season, Tony Alford, at the beginning of the year, before the year started, said, Demario McCall is our number two running back. We wrote about it. It's a quote from him saying Demario McCall is the number two running back. Well, then we get out there against Florida Atlantic and Master Chiefs is the number two running back and Demario McCall is nowhere to be found. So it just seems like Demario McCall is another one of those players who is, you know, kind of just here after his time as Ohio State. He got here to play for one style of offense. Ryan Day gets brought in and the offense is ever so changing since then. And so the position he maybe came here to play no longer exists. And I think that's where he falls. And so, yeah, he doesn't really know what his role is going to be on offense, but he does know he's going to be the guy out there waving his hands in the air or kick returns to get fair catches. And he'll probably also be in the punt return rotation. I actually think if you go back and look, I think McCall did have more of a role in that Florida Atlanta game. I think in that first game, he even had maybe some first half carries, some first half touches if I remember correctly, but it was pretty soon after that that the transition happened because I think, as Doug has pointed out, because he's been watching DeMar McCall his whole career, he just he doesn't see that kind of between-the-tackles role for him. That yeah. He doesn't see that being what he can do, and if that, that's what that offense needed last year and will probably still need again this year, 
and they have other guys that are better suited for that. And last year they, they saw it already in Master Teague. I think you would probably talk about Steel Chambers and Marcus Crowley when he's healthy as being better suited for that role. Mayan Williams even better suited for that role. The, DeMar McCall is going to have more of a fringe role in this offense. I think he understands that. Sounds like he's somewhat frustrated by that. Um, but also I don't really know what anybody can do about it at this point, including him. I think that's just the athlete he is. This is the offense they have. There's only so much that they can do with that. So uh, it's something that like Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day keep talking about that may be one of those things where you you keep mentioning a guy to keep him motivated and, 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 and let him know that there's something out there for him at some point. I just, uh, as people are curious if it's going to be a consistent thing, and I, I don't know that I see it right now. So that's just one, one of those other things to watch here as we get close to the season. And lastly, I wanted to talk about the freshmen. We didn't. There was actually less talk about the freshmen yesterday than I would have expected mm-hmm. because we wanted people were asking so much about Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Jamison Williams even. Um, so I thought that was interesting that, that the veterans kind of had the forefront when usually like the, the freshmen are such the the talk of the town. But Brian Hartline still sounds pretty optimistic about what this group brings to the field even as early this year. I know that they still want consistency. I know that they still. Um, have a lot to learn and it's going to be a matter of bringing those guys around at the, at the bringing those guys along at the right pace. Brian Hartline talked about how pretty much everybody was affected by the way the off season went and might not be where they should be otherwise, but still sounds, I, I still saw, heard optimism from him about at least somebody from this group making some contributions this season. Yeah. I think we've asked Brian Hartline about the freshmen enough since they've officially become Buckeyes and we can do that between, you know, the phone, the phone conferences we had in the spring and up to up until now, I think a little, there's, there's some upper class on this, on this team who could still, you know, Cameron Babb is, I mean, that's subject number one of an upper class who's been here, who's been dealing with injuries, who could also carve out a role for himself this season. That's a, a former top 100 guy as well. So I think, <laughs> I think we've asked a lot of questions about, about the, true freshman to the point that I think we've overlooked some guys like that. Jalen Harris as well, a guy on this roster who has an opportunity this year. And so that's probably part of it. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's, I don't, I, I think at this point, we know what we know about the true freshman. We're not going to find out more until the Nebraska game. So there is a bit of overdoing it once you, when you're asking about these true freshmen guys who haven't necessarily, we haven't seen since literally spring practice number one. So that was our Tuesday interview session with the receivers on Thursday, the day you're all listening to this, we get Al Washington and the linebackers, which is obviously one of the more settled groups. So I'm interested to hear what, what, what'll be the topics of conversation that day. I think people want to probably know more about Baron Browning and if, if he is moving to the, um, to will and is playing that full time now, like how does that affect him and what he can do on the field this season? Um, probably some obligatory questions for the juniors, but a group that is, is 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 as opposed to like the 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 kind of eruption that we think might come out of this receiver group. It's almost like this linebacker group. It's not the same eruption, but they're already at kind of a high level of of reliability. People think, and 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 it's now it's just a matter of how do those positions shake out? Does somebody step up and and play the middle along with Tough Borland? Does you know does Pete Werner's role change at all? I think there's there are some interesting wrinkles there, but it's just such a it's a group that's sort of maybe maybe like the most veteran group on this roster and and seems to have a a foundation that a lot of other position groups wish they had right now they're definitely the safest group on the defensive side of the ball because you just know that the mo- everybody's back who played a significant role other than Malik Harrison 
So it's, you know, you know what Baron Browning's going to bring. He's just moving toward a different role where he gets to have a chance to be more explosive and show off that five-star talent. I mean, Tuff Borland's been the middle linebacker here forever. He's a three-time captain. And Pete Warner shows you how valuable he is as the Sam linebacker. So you, at least from the start, a starting standpoint, there's not a lot of questions. The questions are now behind that. You know, are guys like Taraja Mitchell going to show up? You know, Dallas Gant. You know, who's maybe the second Sam linebacker, the bullet position. Those are the questions within the two deep or in the second string more than the starters. While with every other group, especially on defense, there seems to be questions. As a matter of fact, every other group outside of quarterback, you know, there's still maybe some questions on who the full starting lineup is going to be. Well, that'll be Thursday. We will probably talk about that early next week. If you're listening to this podcast on Thursday, then Friday's podcast right now is going to be retalkables covering some Ohio State Penn State game. The text went out from Doug on Wednesday. Make sure you vote on that. You get to decide which game we watch, which game we talk about. That'll be Friday's podcast. If you haven't signed up for the text yet, 614-350-3315. It's a two-week free trial, so you get to kind of test it out at this stage of the season as we're getting into the preseason. If you like it, now stick around because we'll have, you know, even more once the season gets rolling. So Thanks for joining us. And that was Buckeye Talk.